Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a mother partaking in dangerous behavior gets warned by her deceased father-in-law to stop or she will be separated from her child. A widow and her children find that their husband and father is still around the house. A family finds that the father's hobby could be unsettling the dead. And a listener shares the working relationship they have with the spirit that protects their house. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hi. Hi. Looks like an interesting batch of stories for the evening. Yeah, and it's a funny thing. They all came in around the same time, and most of them have to do with dads or father figures. Mm -hmm. So there you go. As it tends to happen that way on this show. I really believe it. it. It's one of those things where it's things all just kind of working together. There's going to be someone out there that's going to want to get a show relating around that topic, and it's going to do some good for them. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I think that's why, or maybe more than one person, I think that's why these sort of things happen like that. It's better planning than I could have done. No, it's very, very interesting. So uh, I'm excited about it. The phone number here, of course, 855-853-4802. That's a toll-free number to call in and uh, share your ghost story with us. You can, of course, always write in on the website as well at realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you want more ghost stories, of course, you can be an EPP. You sign up, five bucks a month. You get access to 31 bonus episodes right there. And, uh, of course, a brand new one every single week. And that's what keeps our show on the air. So if you like the show, consider supporting it uh, and allowing us to continue doing the show for you and uh, throwing out that free version to you every single day, Monday through Friday, and uh, give you a little added something, something with the EPP bonus episode. Sign up at uh, the, web- the website, uh, realghoststoriesonline.com. Jessica writes in, and we'll kick off the, uh, the show with uh, Jessica's letter here. Uh, Jessica writes... Hi, this is Jessica in Salt Lake City, and this is my best friend's story. To get to know my friend, her name is uh, Katrina. She's uh, hard, She's the hardest person to be with sometimes, but being with her, I feel like I have to uh, be there to protect her. We both have two children, and they aren't that far in age from each other. When we had our first child, we didn't spend as much time together because of this. Katrina was doing drugs in secret from me. And her husband. One night, she got out of bed to smoke some ice. Her son was taking his nap in the master bedroom across the basement from the room she was in, with the door open so she could hear him. They lived in the basement and had roommates on the first floor. She was by herself and no one else was in the house when she first started. After she was done, she then came out of the room and noticed the door to the bedroom was closed. She looked at the time and thought that maybe her husband came home and closed the door. She then tried to get into the bedroom to go to sleep. The door was locked. This lock was one of those hooks that you had to put in and the loop to keep locked. 
so there wasn't a way to lock it from the outside. She knocked on the door softly and asked her husband to open the door. She did this for about five minutes, thinking he was asleep. All of a sudden, the upstairs door opened and in walked her husband. At this point, she was freaking out. She told him that the baby was locked in the bedroom. He didn't ask questions and got the door open. The little boy was only about five months old and wasn't even crawling and was just lying in bed crying at this point. After a little calming down and getting their son back to sleep, her husband asked what happened. She finally admitted what she was or had been doing and that she left the door open. Her husband is like me and can sense ghosts and have seen them. He then admitted that his father is watching over them and that he didn't like what she was doing and that it was his way of telling her to either stop or she'll be kept from the kid after she did this. She was shocked that he didn't mention this. After this, every time she smoked, drank, or anything bad, the father let her know that he didn't like her from locking her in rooms until someone showed up, shut windows on her, almost hitting her fingers, to pushing her when she was being mean or said something mean about the ghost. After a while, she came to my house and found out about my ghosts and the doppelganger that I told you about. So at one point, while talking, she admitted to having done hookah before coming over. I told her how upset that makes me and told her that I was going to get something outside. I was really just getting a breath outside because I was sad and she was doing this that she was doing this to herself. I came back into the house and she comes running out of the hall up, up the hallway. I asked her what happened. After getting her breath, she stated to me that she went to the bathroom to wash her face went into the master bathroom because she knew I had her favorite body spray. After washing her face and spraying her body with my spray, she turned around to seeing me on my side of the bed. She sees me, and I have a mad look on my face. All of a sudden, the door to the bathroom closes on her, and she's locked in the, bath in the bathroom. There isn't a lock to this bathroom. After about two to five minutes, she thought finally she was able to get out and ran out to where she got me. After hearing this, I told her it wasn't me. She plainly said, I know it wasn't you. I was a little shocked and asked why she knew it wasn't me. I know you and you would never look at me like you wanted to hurt me. Disappointed, yes. Hurt, yes. But never like you wanted to hurt me. Well, this is all for now. Love the show. I have one story that I've experienced with my mom in our old house, and for some reason I have a feeling I need to go back. So I want to see the old house before I tell that story. I want to hear what happens after you go see your old house. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it was the grandfather, her husband's dad, that was able to take on the form to look like Jessica. Or if there was something else at play that was trying to talk her out of doing some of the things that was hurting others around her by her doing that. Sure. I could see being two separate things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I almost, because with the doppelganger thing, with the, the, the or writer of the story here. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if that's like almost, a, you know, an astral projection of her emotions that come out. And maybe it was a scary look. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, you can interpret a look any way you want and if she was interpreting it as I want to hurt you that's how she was interpreting it it may just have been a very stern look that didn't necessarily mean I want to hurt you but I'm really disappointed and I'm very angry at you yeah you know I mean I don't know I think that's probably a fairly fine line that could easily be misinterpreted yeah you know if you will um, but I could see it being you know essentially she's has a lot of people in her life who have essentially supernatural things surrounding them. Sure. And all of them concerned for her and, and the well-being of those around. And they're just acting out. Yeah, it's amazing how they're all trying to get this message across. Supernatural intervention. Yeah, yeah, that's the next reality TV show. Yeah, have the ghosts of dead loved ones intervene. Yes. 
I don't blame the uh, the the ghost father-in-law. No, I think that that's a good thing. Now, locking the mother away from the child is a bit much, but I, I think yeah. trying to get her to not do drugs is a good thing. Sure. I mean, I, I think it... He, it, The father-in-law, I think, may have just known that he has to do some extreme things, some, some things that will not necessarily hurt anyone, but but scare them enough mm-hmm. and then put the potential there for something dangerous to happen, but knowing that it won't, but kind of a scared straight thing, if you will. Sure. Um, and she, very interesting. Very, uh, yeah. very interesting. I wonder uh, uh, if this has calmed down at all, if, if she's kind of gotten her act together a little bit more, and if then the haunting with the father-in-law ceases or diminishes or if he still just doesn't like her and is finding other ways to you know I bet it calms down if she stops sure. some of that but it'd be interesting to revisit this later yeah when you write in your updates uh, your updated story and when you uh, when you go and visit that old house do give us an update on how things are going with your friend as well we'd love to hear that um, 855-853-4802 our toll free phone number you can call in 24 hours a day 7 days a week to share your real ghost story with us. Laura writes in, Hey guys, wanted to share my story. I listen every day at work and love that all these stories jog my memory of personal experiences where I can relate or the experiences of people close to me. You guys are awesome. I have a bunch of stories, some mine, some not, and I'll be happy to share some more in the future. I was happy to hear you recently read my story I'd written in about my fiancé getting the heads up about not stepping on our dog at the edge of the bed. Anywho, this is actually the story of a close friend of mine. She actually lost her husband, Jay, a couple of years ago now. I actually introduced them in college. I played soccer with him. He was a real happy guy and had a very distinct game clearly here in my head when I think about him. It makes me smile. Anyway, Jay's death was unexpected and caught us all off guard, considering he was only in his mid-thirties. He passed at home from a heart attack, we think, and was found by his son when he came down in the morning, wondering why his dad hadn't woken him up for school. Needless to say, we all took it pretty hard. Well, after his passing, Shelley and her kids started having funny things happen around the house. She, of course, called me because she knew I was a firm believer in funny things. She said that the light bulbs kept burning out in the house, despite the fact that she had just changed them. She also said the microwave had spontaneously just started running on occasion. They'd hear what sounded like someone punching the buttons, then it would start going. The TV in the living room would just shut off in the middle of them watching it, and they, nor the cable company, could ever figure out what was wrong. They'd just do something else and check back later to see if it was working again. And of course it was, some glitch, they figured. After telling me all this, I told her, You know, that's just Jay, right? She laughed it off and then asked, You think? Of course. I told her and went on to tell her that she needed to tell him to stop. All a little weirded out and skeptical, she hung up and said she'd try it. The next time a bulb went out, she told him to stop and said out loud, Look, uh, babes, bulbs aren't cheap. Stop burning out the light bulbs. She said she felt silly, but it was worth a try, and it meant not if it meant not having to keep buying bulbs. Next time the TV went out, she did the same. Said, look, babes, we're trying to watch TV. Stop messing with my show. The TV turned back, to, back on without having to fiddle with the cables again. The kids all got chills and looked at her like, no way. She and the kids kept talking to him from then on, and after a little while, the bulb stopped burning out, and the TV and microwave stopped spontaneously turning off and on. She said that every now and then, when she had a moment of really missing him, she'll talk to him, and we get a warm feeling of comfort and knew it was him. I don't know if the funnies ever really stopped, but she never mentioned it again. They either got used to it, or he decided to stop. Either way, I think it was just his way of letting them and her know he was still there. That's my story. Thanks for giving us an outlet to share these experiences. Laura. I think it was the dad, and he didn't want to scare everybody, so when she asked him to stop, then, you know, he realized that he was probably doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. So, 
I think it was probably that, just especially since it started after he died. And he did die so suddenly in the home. Yeah. I think part of him was still there. I wonder if when you die unexpectedly like that, if you, you can get the choice to still essentially hang out with your family and live out at least the years that you would have likely been there. You know? Uh-huh. Like, up until, you know, you would have turned, like, 80 or 90 or 100 or so, and then and then you really have to, to move on. But you're allowed to still essentially kind of watch over your family until they're gone, too. Yeah. Or, or, or out of the house, the kids or something. I don't know. I, mean, I wonder if any options are available. Or if that's just, like, your path. There's what you get. You're staying here. No choice. I don't know. Um... It didn't really say how long he was there. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. some people believe that there's a window that you get to stick around for a certain period before you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. So it could be one of those things where he was still within that window of yeah. staying here. And then if they say, well, you're scaring us, move on. <laughs> you know? then it's his choice. To... Yeah, it's his choice yeah. at that point. I'm not sure, though. Very interesting. Jillian. Uh, writes into it, uh, let me begin my story with the fact that I don't necessarily believe that any specific religion controls the paranormal. However, there is such things as good and evil, and religion serves as a way to communicate with those energies. What I believe is a necessary backstory. My mother's third husband was an interesting man, to say the least. He's very eccentric, with strong opinions about education, politics, and you guessed it, religion. At one point in time, we had purchased a two-bedroom home in Texas that had been built in the early 20s. Even after the renovations, this house was picturesque and cozy for years. That is until my stepfather became interested in exorcisms. There's a book called Pigs in the Parlor by Frank Hammond that details demons and exorcisms and how to do it yourself. (laughs) Oh, God. Where is this going? Just go with it. He was obsessed I began doing exorcisms of not only us and family members, but of just random people he met in our small Texas town. Oh, God. I feel sorry for that family. All of these exorcisms were conducted in our home. At the time, I was only 14 and never thought anything of it. My stepdad had his phases, and this was one. That is until strange things began to happen. Remember your exorcism phase? That was wacky. I think you liked golf. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an odd phase to go through. It's just like, it goes from like car collecting, uh, golfing, uh, basketball, exorcisms, <laughs> chess. <laughs> okay. It started small, with footsteps, closing and opening doors, lights, it all accumulated into this one personal moment for me when I realized there was definitely a dark entity attached to us. I knew something was amiss when I was awoken one night by what I thought was my mom gently shaking the bed to wake me up. When I opened my eyes, there were no there was no one there, however. The Mardi Gras beads that were hanging from my canopy bed were shaking like crazy as if someone had been shaking the bed violently. I dismissed it as a bad dream and was way more concerned with how incredibly uh, parched I was. It was literally as if I hadn't drank in weeks and was consumed with getting water. On my way to the kitchen, I dimmed a couple of lights but left the kitchen light off as to not disturb my parents, their room being right next to the kitchen. I grabbed a cup from the cabinet and began to fill it from the refrigerator door when it felt like someone had entered the kitchen behind me. Thinking I had woken up my mom, I began apologizing before I ever looked up. Once I did, I saw something that will never leave my memory. Standing in the doorframe of the kitchen stood about an eight-foot-tall man with a top hat completely backlit from the dimmed lights. I couldn't make out anything but a shadow was filled with the most paralyzing fear I've ever experienced to this day. Everything seemed to stop until the water I had been pouring began to overflow. I jumped at the cold, and when I looked back, it was gone. I grabbed my water, ran all the way back to my room, turning all the lights in my path fully on. As I sat in my bed, the door to my room began to shake. Lights flickered, and it sounded like heavy footsteps were running through the house. 
After a minute, things ceased as if it never happened. I didn't sleep. Paranormal activity escalated since then, but none of that affected me so personally, so I'll save those stories for another time. Well, I'm thinking the stepdad was at least mildly successful. Successful? Well, in getting something stirred up in the house. And getting something stirred up. I mean, an exorcism is usually driving something out. Not, I think he stirred it up and essentially invited it in. No, here's what I'm saying. Okay. They didn't have any problem before he started going through his exorcism phase. Mm-hmm. Even in the old house, it was sure. fine. Yeah. And then it sounds like to me that he was able to get whatever was attached to somebody out of them. Oh, I see. But it was loose in their house then. But he didn't really get it exercised out of the where they live. So that's why I feel like it was drawing more things in. So that's why I say mildly successful. Okay. Because it got something detached from someone else and brought it into the house. Sure. <laughs> okay. I, I really, I, you're, that does make sense. I wasn't even really, I was thinking, here's what I was thinking. And, and yours makes total sense. It just wasn't the path I was going on it. Um, my thinking on it was, just the act of doing these exorcisms and the calling and recognizing of some of these things and maybe doing exorcisms on things that don't need exorcisms. Sure. Um, had ended up inviting something in that wasn't there to begin with, that wasn't in a, anyone, that wasn't in the house. But the fact that he's calling it up and recognizing, I think it may have been invited in that way. Okay. Get where the, the, yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, it's there's no way we're going to know if either of us is right, but yours is completely logical, just as mine is in the sense of what we're talking about, you know? Either way, yeah. his activities seem to have stirred something up, and I completely yeah. believe that it was a direct result of what he was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> trying being the key word. Why? I don't know. Why? I mean, some people get interested in the occult. Some people get sure. interested in all kinds of things. But I don't think if I were a person... Well, I am a person with a family. I know I would not be doing anything that could potentially bring darkness into my family's life. Uh, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one thing to be interested in it. Yeah. You know, and like, okay, this is interesting. I mean, I find that topic interesting too, but I, I'll read a book about it or hear a story or watch a show. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to start running around the house trying to exercise demons out of the dog or whatever, you know? Right. <laughs> just, just to see what happens. Yeah. I, I would love to hear more about uh, what happened after that and, and if this ever, because the way it was worded was like it was a phase. Yeah, it seemed to be that way. I have questions of how did the phase end? What made him want to end the phase? Did it just naturally go away? Did something else happen? Or what What happened there? You have to fill us in. That's, uh, that's very, very interesting. You and I have our tendencies to be, have a little bit of obsessive personalities. Oh, sure. So we have our phases, but I don't think we've ever towed the line with anything like that. This is, this and this is much more than a phase. This is not a phase. This is a lifelong interest. Yes, yeah, doing the show is a lifelong interest. But I would say this is as close as we would ever get yeah. to something like what he was doing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, some folks who just kind of go all out. And unfortunately, sometimes when you are on the uh, you're going all out person, you got to be really careful what uh, what topics you become interested in. <laughs> Do you put that on your resume? Amateur exorcist? Is that something that's a... I think some people do that. A sought-after skill? It depends what you're going for. I don't know uh, where that would be <laughs> an applicable uh, yeah. thing. Um, maybe reality television would yeah. probably be uh, a place for it. Um, but other than that, I don't really know. I don't know either. Amateur exorcist, all right. 855-853-4802 is the phone number. It's like one of those terms you should just never, ever have together. Amateur and exorcist. It's like the words discount sushi. Should also never be (laughs) put together. When you see that, you should just turn and run the other way. Yeah. It's like the sushi, two, three days old, sitting there, that's a reason it's discounted. Yeah. I I agree on that. (laughs) Just go. 
I, even high quality sushi is iffy to me. I have to be in the right mood. <laughs> well, at least it's safe. I mean, the high quality. Right. That's the thing. I mean, I mean, it's like poses danger. You know, you're pretty good with high quality sushi. Sure. No, it's just a matter of if I will be able to keep it. Sure. Or not. <laughs> sure, I get you there. Yeah. yeah but yeah. <laughs> Mark writes in, uh, first off, I, I just want to say great show. I've been listening for a few weeks now after finding it on my way iPad uh, and a binge listening. The story I'm uh, going to share with you today is from when I was in a secondary school. I was probably 15 at the time when this, uh, when this takes place. I live in England in Oxfordshire. One of my best friends had a huge house. It actually used to be an old nursing home. House looks like a very typical big English stately. Had four floors, loads of bedrooms. It was pretty old. My friend's family is pretty well off, and I was very privileged to be able to spend time in the house growing up. It wasn't uncommon for my friend and his family to hear things in that house when they're alone and when guests were present. There are many occasions when you'd hear somebody whistling when it wasn't actually anybody in the room. The whistling always happened along with unexplained bangs in the house. Anyway, the house was quite creepy at night. Like I said, it was a huge house with high ceilings, loads of rooms and walkways. One night, my friend's parents and sister were out of town, and my friend invited me and one other of my friends around for the night. We just watched some movies, eat some food, play video games, head up to bed. We're staying on the top floor where my friend had his room. We would all be staying in another room up there as it had three beds in it. About 1 a.m., went up to the room and spent another while chatting and stuff when we started to all drift off to sleep. My friend Dan, whose house it was, went to sleep first. I and my other buddy, Chris, were still awake. We chatted quietly as we were near each other. After a while, I'd noticed he had fallen asleep. Now I remember walking or waking up after what seemed like a few minutes after drifting off to sleep, but it was more like an hour or so. I'd heard a very loud whistle. At first, I thought nothing of it, as I was a bit groggy, but then I heard it again, very loudly, a whistle coming from one corner of the room. There was a small bit of light coming in through the window to the left-hand side. I peered over my bed covers, looking towards the source of the noise. All of a sudden, I started to feel as though the room was getting heavy. I was breathing heavily, and it seemed cold all of a sudden. I reached over to the side of my bed where I had a small torch. We had one each as the light switch was over near the door and there were no lamps in the room. I went to pick it up, heard a shuffle and a bang as if something had shuffled towards me at the bottom of the bed. I stopped dead, turned my head, and the door which had been closed was open. I hadn't noticed this before. I grabbed my torch or flashlight, clicked it, but it didn't work. At this point, I genuinely was getting a little creeped out. I went to stand up to go for the light switch, but as I did, I heard a very clear voice say, Hey! At this point, I froze. Looking towards the door again, I noticed the outline of somebody peering around the door at me. I was wide-eyed and slowly moved back into my bed. I got under the covers, lay there in silence. After a few moments, I heard what I can only describe as a little chuckle, and then a shuffle again towards the bottom of the bed. I just laid there until I fell asleep. Funnily enough, I was first up in the morning. When Dan woke up, he went downstairs. Chris was laid in the bed next to me, and I told him about what I saw, and to my surprise, he just replied with, I know. I asked him what he meant, and he said I woke him up when I was reaching for the torch during the night. When I stood up, he also looked over towards the door and saw someone looking in. He said he had tried to say something, but couldn't, and just laid there as if dreaming. We told Dan, and it was the first time we had sat and talked about all the strange things that happened in his house. He was just so used to things happening, it was the norm for him. He hadn't heard or seen anything that night, but... I and Chris both saw another person in the house with us that night without a shadow of a doubt. After college, some four years later, we didn't really see each other quite as much as we used to. Dan had moved away and gone to university and only visited his parents on some weekends and we were all busy with jobs, etc. 
We're all in our 30s now, but Dan's parents still own the house, and they live there by themselves, just the two of them, in this huge house. Luckily, within the last three to four years, we have all moved back around the same area we all grew up in. We've seen each other a lot, and our friendship is as strong as ever. About a week ago, a few of us all went round to the house for dinner. It was the first time I had stepped foot in that house for about eight years. I and Dan were walking towards the stairs at the top floor after visiting some old rooms when, all of a sudden, the whistle happened. We both spun around and stopped. I gave a nervous but humorous little smile, and he said, Yeah, I heard that. It was almost like we were recognized, and something was letting us know it was still there. It was pleasant. Sorry if this went on for too long, and hopefully you find this interesting. I have other stories, which I may send to you guys in the future. Keep up the good work. Thanks. I think it was a recognition, and the reason I think the ghost maybe kind of got excited and whistled was because with the family that lives there, they're so used to it, they sleep through it, they pay no attention to it. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like he's like, hey, I remember you guys. You guys saw me in the middle of the night. It's like a dog. Yeah. So I think that might be what was going on there, that he actually, I say he, I have no idea if the ghost was a he or not, Mm -hmm. but it remembered the the two guys. It was just getting really, really excited that uh, someone was uh, ready to to give it some attention. (laughs) Well, can you imagine spending years and years without any recognition at all, paying, just completely being ignored? That would, especially if you're you're doing a really good job of being a ghost. Mm-hmm. You really are being making your presence known. You're doing all sorts of shit, and then still feel like, eh, it's just the ghost. And I'm like, no, yeah, like seriously, I've been doing working on this for so long, and now I, this is the thanks I get. I use all my energy to whistle, and you guys don't even care. Yeah, that would be very disappointing. It would be. I would be upset if I were the ghost. So. I think ghosts probably still have feelings and still get sure. excited. Sure. Know? I, I think, especially if they're they're like that, and it was more so a non-threatening entity was once a human. Yeah, you're going to have mm-hmm. emotions, and you're going to feel loved or not loved or cared for, and it's got to be fairly lonely life to begin with. Or excited when you see yeah, somebody. Exactly. Hey, look who's back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. I just have these images in my mind. There was a house in my hometown, uh, or a street in my hometown called Sheboygan Street, and uh, it was filled with a lot of the older Victorian mansions and everything. And uh, really, a lot of them are now like apartments and you know, kind of separated out. But when I was a kid, I remember my parents always just liked to go to open houses just for fun. Not, oh, sure. not that we were house shopping, but we were just for a Sunday. Let's go look at houses, you know. Well, it's fun, especially yeah. if it's an old house. Yeah. So sometimes we would go and, and, and look at some of those. And there was one that was up for sale and... I'm imagining it was probably, you know, an older couple who had either passed or something because it really had not been updated at all. And But it was one of the... And it had not been turned into apartments yet, which is one of the few that were left. Um, but I remember going through that house and it was just amazing to me. I mean, I was a little kid. I was probably like seven or so. Sure. So, I mean, everything when you're seven is, you know, when you look at it retrospectively, much larger, mm-hmm. you know. But I remember there was like so many cases and um, just the amount of rooms and hallways and corridors. I mean, it was like it was like the real life haunted mansion. Lots of woodwork. Um, I didn't get spooked out at all. I really didn't feel that vibe. I was just amazed at you know the intricacy that was in in the the homes of that that era. Sure. And I don't know whatever. Uh, whatever happened to it or if it was turned into apartments or whatnot. But, I mean, I'm sure a lot of work would need to go into a place like that to get it kind of up to date. Yeah. You know? I mean, unless you're going for the, you know, Norman Bates, you know, Norma's house feel and well, look, you know. There is the original architecture of it. And then there's just, okay, somebody updated this maybe 50 years ago and there's... 1960s everything in there and either can go either way it's like okay either you scrap it and you bring it all the way into modern or you scrap it and you take it back to its original glory and and I think when you have a property like that you take it back I I hate when people like go into places like that 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 do have like 
the built-in woodwork that's there and they rip it out and they want to make it look, you know, more straight lines or this or that. It's like, no. If you want that, get a property you can do that to. It just depends on how much of it's left, whether or not you can do that. If if it's just, you know, been painted and who knows what kind of paint it was. Just take it back to its former glory. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many properties that are available. If that's what you want to do is rip something apart. Well, then, then find something that's going to let, let someone who, who could restore this, restore this. Because there's not a whole lot of those left. See, and I may offend some of our listeners and I apologize, but I feel like if you're the kind of person that's going to buy an older home like that, just to update the inside to the point where it doesn't even look like it was from the era that it was built. Mm-hmm you don't have enough appreciation for the home to own it. Yeah, I I mean, I agree. It's like, just, yeah, pick another house. Pick another house. (laughs) Exactly. Because there's there's not many of them out there anymore. You know, those are very rare to find. And and there's people who want to do it, you know. And, and, uh, uh. (laughs) it's The houses have a personality. Yeah. You know, it just seems like such a waste. You can... Definitely bring it to code, but still make it look like it was the age it was. I think when you do that to some of those homes, you end up conjuring up a lot of demons. and <laughs> Not demons, but ghosts. Sure. Anyhow. So there you go. I just scared someone into, well, we're going to rip it all. No. You might have a ghost if you do that. <laughs> just saying. Hey, there's a new photo we put up on uh, the website. Um, it's uh, called Gettysburg Ghosts, and this was sent in to us um, uh, not too long ago. Uh, letter says, Hi, Tony and Jenny. Love your podcast. It's taken uh, over my radio, uh, over my radio station, music, and my phone when I drive. Four years ago, my family and I went and visited Gettysburg. I love the paranormal. Got my oldest son hooked on it, too. Needless to say, we were very excited to be at one of the most haunted places in America. Well, at the battlefield, I told my son to just start taking random pictures in the field cemetery and uh, the ghost hunt we were on that evening. When we returned home, I loaded the pictures, and through our ghost hunt, it produced something very odd. Lo and behold... It was a daytime pic of the battlefield, and it had something very defining in it. Please let me know what you think of this. By the way, I checked the pics that were taken at the same time as this one, thinking it might just be a dry patch of grass out there, uh, but there wasn't any darker dry patches or shadows. And what you see in the photo looks distinctly in the the field as, as if it were human shape of two people essentially walking through the field. And it's it's very it's it's interesting because it, it it could be just you know you could think it's a dry patch of grass um, so it's good to have the other pieces there to compare it to but she said the other ones didn't and I actually I did see one of the other pictures she sent me and there were not they were not in it and it was virtually the same angle and the, there's no dry patch there um, I just posted the one of the. Uh, it looks like the two people. So very interesting stuff. It's up on the website um, at realghoststoriesonline.com. I believe we also tweeted it out there, and it's on Facebook, too. So if you're not following us on Facebook or Twitter, uh, check that out because uh, we posted stuff throughout the week. Yeah. So interesting stuff. Interesting, creepy photo for you to uh, enjoy. And do share it with your friends. Let's uh, go over to uh, Tammy. Tammy writes in. Hello, Tony and Jenny. Just want to start off and say I love your show. Love that Jenny is still a part of it as well. She's a really great addition. She has some great insight for sure. I also wanted to say I like you, Tony. I love spending time in uh, cemeteries. And I was so excited to hear that there was another person that shared this. I live in uh, uh, Tomball, Texas now, but I was born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. And every year in May, on Memorial Day, my family and I would go to all the cemeteries my relatives were buried at and put flowers on their stones. I always felt so peaceful in one particular cemetery called Mount Moriah uh, on Holmes Road in Kansas City. Uh, I remember as a kid just walking the grounds and sitting by the small lake they had there. People think I'm nuts for this, and I can't explain why I love them so much, but I still find peace walking in cemeteries. So you're not alone. Anyway, I have a small story I'd like to share. One is about a park close to my parents' house in the neighborhood of Gracemore. They still live in that neighborhood, but 
There's a park a couple of blocks down the street from the elementary school I used to attend. When you pull into the park, there are woods just to your left, and there were always rumors of people devil-worshipping in that uh, wooded area. I don't know if that was ever true, and there was never any evidence of it. But at night, this park was very creepy. One night when I was about 16 or 17, my friend and I decided to pull in and just hang out and talk. When I pulled in and turned the car off, it was quiet for a minute or two. And then, from nowhere in particular, we started hearing this low, slow, creepy music. And it seemed to just be around us. I and my friend just looked at each other, and I asked her if she heard that, and she said yes. I didn't wait for it to stop. I bolted out of there, and from that night on, I only visited it in daylight hours. I have other stories to share as well. A lot have to do with my parents' house itself, and my father in particular. I remember in a few past episodes, uh, you and Jenny talking about people with mental disorders and how they're more prone to be taken over by certain spirits. That subject is very close to home with me and my family. I'll have to share it another time. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to read my letter, and I'll continue to spread the news about your show. It does help a lot of people to have a venue to share their experiences. Keep up the great work. And please do write in. I'm always interested to hear stories that combine my two loves, paranormal and mental illness. <laughs> so. I, uh, I almost did a spit take. I'm sorry. When I was taking a sip of my water. Yeah. And she's not joking, folks. No, no. no, not at all. I mean, it's it's really it's a yeah. I mean, it's it's a very strong interest I have. So yeah, it it is. Um, and the thing is, I mean, the I don't want to say mental illness because I was going to say the two go hand in hand, but I'm thinking more so psychology and um, uh, the paranormal. Yes, but I will have to say abnormal psychology is probably sure the thing that I am the most interested in. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's a very interesting. Uh, interesting thing because it's one of those things where whenever you get a story you always you know you have to consider you know what are the other options here what are the other prospects for what could be possibly occurring and the thing is a lot of the stories that we get written into us a lot of we have a fairly responsible audience i would say for the most part where they they do kind of weed out all those other possibilities before going necessarily to this was a ghost yeah you know so, um, and that's what, you know, anyone, you know, should do when they're encountering something paranormal because there, I mean, there's a lot of things that our minds can do um, to essentially trick us. So, and it's, you know, it's good to, to kind of narrow some of that down. So, thank you for writing in. We would love to hear more. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, here we go. Hi, guys. I have a story about the last house I lived in. I lived in an old brick home in a neighborhood that had been around for a very long time. In the basement, there was a room that was either used for coal storage or cold storage. I know... A lot of the old houses used coal for heating and cooking, so I'm more inclined to lean towards coal storage. Anyhow, this room had a red door. The rest of the house had very muted earth tones, but this door was bright red. It was a very small room with a dirt floor. The last tenant had stuck stick-up air fresheners on the walls. At first, I thought that maybe it was because the room had mold issues or something. When I moved in, I put some things in the basement for storage. Never spent much time in the basement, only to either put more things down there or bring stuff upstairs, like the holiday decorations. I never used the room with a red door. Something about it just seemed off to me, and while I didn't fear it at first, I unconsciously avoided it. It wasn't long before I heard a loud bang at night, followed by footsteps coming up the basement stairs. The first time it happened, I thought someone had broken in. I grabbed a hammer and yelled, I'm going to get you, asshole. You better run now. I stomped loudly towards the basement door and flung the door open. No one was there. I turned on the lights in the basement and yelled, If you're still in here, I'm going to fuck you up. Well, there was no one down there. The red door was standing open, but I couldn't remember if I had shut it, so I just struggled and went back upstairs. I checked the back door. It was still locked. I checked the front door. It was also locked. 
The bang and footsteps happened at least once a week after that. There were times when I would see shadows in the hallway, but when I got up to check, no one was there. I told my friends what was happening to me, and one of them wanted to come check the room with the red door. So I showed them the room and then shut the door. That night was the loudest bang ever. As soon as it happened, I started shaking because it really scared me. I heard footsteps, and when they stopped, I waited until I wasn't shaking and got out of bed. I took my hammer again because I wasn't sure if it was the entity or an actual intruder. When I searched the basement, I saw the red door standing wide open. I ran back upstairs, called my friend who had visited earlier. I asked her if she remembered that I shut the red door. She said she did. I told her that the red door was now wide open. We think that we may have upset the entity that night because I said something along the lines of, It's harmless. It opens this door and walks upstairs. Oh, so scary. My friend laughed with me and then we went about our business. But there was one time when I startled the entity. I worked part-time and my hours were never the same day to day. One day I came home from work. And as I was walking towards the bathroom, I saw a full-body apparition coming out of my room. When it saw me, it stopped and walked backwards into my room. At first, it didn't dawn on me that I had just seen something odd. But right before I entered the bathroom, I stopped and turned to look in my room. It was empty, as it should have been. The apparition looked like a real person. It was male, tall, black hair, wearing work clothes like carpenter clothes. The blue and white striped bibs that carpenters and painters used to wear. I wish I could describe it better. Anyway, I felt bad for startling him, and I said, I didn't mean to scare you, and if you're the one opening the door in the basement, I wish you'd stop scaring me. I don't think he was the one opening the red door because it continued to happen until the day I moved. However, I had dreams about the man I'd saw. felt like he was there to protect the home and anyone who lived in it. I started calling him Brad because when I first saw him, the name Bradley came to me. I don't know if that was his first or last name, but he didn't seem to mind. When I would come home from work, I would announce, Brad, it's just me, I'm home. Do whatever you have to do, but I'm going into the kitchen. And when I would leave, I would say, okay, I'm going out for a while, but I won't be gone long. Watch the place for me. I know that seems weird, but obviously neither one of us liked being startled, so I did what I could to avoid that happening. I still don't understand what was in the basement room or why I always felt so uneasy about it, and I probably never will. I only hope that the new tenants aren't as bothered by it. Thank you for sharing my story. I look forward to sharing more stories in the future. I wonder if Bradley just lived down there in the coal bin. You know, maybe that's... In life? Or... No, okay. no, I mean, that was where he liked to hang out as a spirit. I mean, and mm -hmm. when he thought he was alone, he'd come upstairs and be out and about. But other than that, maybe, and that might be why there was such a level of discomfort to go anywhere near that bin. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there was something that had happened in that little room and... Uh, Essentially, Bradley was there trying to prevent it or protect people from something. I think that sounds that sounds what like what it's going on. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I mean, and it, it sort of sort of sounded like Amityville at the beginning of the little red room and whatnot. Yeah, um, but I mean, I mean, they, there's there's a lot of explanations. You know, people do have weird things in their homes, you know, and they create them for whatever reason, maybe a little play area for kids or whatnot. Sure. You know, and there can be innocent, you know, things that have been put together that you never, you know, you don't necessarily pass the information on to the next homeowner. Hey, 15 years ago, we made a little fort for the kids down here. And, you know, this is what it is. You know, it's like, here, here's the house. Figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's really dark, disturbed people that do other things in their basements with children. Um, and that's what I'm wondering if there's, if that could have been something. I don't know. I mean, just the fact that he's getting a weird energy out of the room. Yeah, but. And I don't know if that, that specific is what was going right. on there, but it's odd. It is odd. It, it you know. 
I've got to have my mom come on come on the show and talk about the spirit that lived in their first duplex basement. Mm-hmm. There was this old house that was turned into a duplex, and it lived in the coal bin. Okay. And she's much more sensitive than I am. So mm-hmm. she knew all about the spirit, and they had a name for it. Apparently, the landlord knew who it was. I don't know how. Interesting. Yeah, but he did not like my dad. He liked my mom, but did not like my dad. I wonder, and I don't know if this is something your 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 mom could do or not, but I wonder if people who are very sensitive, mm-hmm. just by not living some of the stories that we get in, but hearing them, I mean, we speculate. Mm-hmm. You and me speculate on what we think may have happened or could have been a possibility. If some folks just hearing the stories can have more finite answers as to what that room was for. I don't, I mean, yes, people can do that. I don't know if she can do that. She's more sensitive, almost. (laughs) You remember when, um, people used to say, oh, she has ESP, you know, Uh extra sensory perception. Yeah way before they realized no that's something else but um mom could always tell when something was about to happen Mm -hmm. there would be no way on earth she would know sure but she would get a feeling and especially if it had to do with a family member Mm -hmm. she just knew she's just always been sensitive and always picked up on energies now as far as knowing things from the past she can't like touch anything and know what happened or, sure. or hear a story and know what happened. I'm just wondering if anyone can. Oh, I bet so. Just, you know, if there's any listeners to our show where they hear the story and they, oh, no, this is more, uh, this is the feeling I'm getting as to what it was for and how accurate then than that can be. I mean, uh, you know, you have you know, folks who say they can do that more so when the actual person who would, you know, have written the story is, is relaying it. Uh-huh. Not... So, I mean, I wonder if some of that is lost when we relay the story as opposed to the person who experienced it is relaying the story to someone with the sensitivity. You get what I'm saying? I do get what you're saying. I think it has to do with the level to which the story is written. Sure. You know, we get some that are very brief and to the point and they're well written, but they're just shorter. Yeah. Some of the ones that have more detail and more elaboration on you know, what's going on and surroundings and stuff yeah. can actually put you in that scene sure. a lot better. And you you can almost pick up on things that maybe they didn't even realize. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting story. Yeah, it was a good one. It really was a, a good one. Lots of imagery. If you like the show, please consider supporting it and becoming an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. 31 bonus episodes come at you right away when you sign up. It's only $5 a month. And that's what keeps our show on the air. There's a lot of costs that go involved with uh, keeping the show out there and the uh, the distribution of it. Uh, that's what the bandwidth we talk about is all about because it costs money uh, to share these large files, essentially, with uh, tens of thousands of people uh, every single day. So uh, five bucks a month if you wouldn't mind turning the kitty and keeping us on the air. Check it out, and we'll give you some of those episodes uh, in exchange, all of those bonus episodes in exchange for your uh, generosity and uh, keeping it going. Sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.